Vegas White Sox Weekly, your all-access pass to everything White Sox. That baby will go! Lance Lynn with an absolute gem. Welcome in. It is White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight today. Connor is in the booth once again with Darren Jackson. He's got the whole weekend for White Sox and Diamondbacks right here on ESPN 1000 and the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. You know, it has been a very, very frustrating week for this White Sox team. And we're here to talk about it with you. 312-332-3776. Connor will join us. He'll come into uh, his own show here on White Sox Weekly from Guaranteed Rate Field. We'll also talk with Gavin Sheets as well. Looking forward to that conversation because, boy, what a different player Gavin Sheets has been ever since getting recalled from AAA Charlotte. You know, he went down in the beginning of June, and then he came back up just about two weeks later. Only had a handful of bats down there, but... Something must have clicked in those 39 ABs because he has looked like a completely different player ever since coming back up from Charlotte. But 312-332-3776, anything White Sox from this week on your mind? You know, a lot of things for the White Sox this week that I'm sure fans are frustrated about. You go back and look through even that first game of the week against Kansas City. It's one that you thought, all right, even though they're traveling to Kansas City for a one-off game to make up an earlier rainout, it's a game you thought that the White Sox would be able to control. And they were down early. They came back, made it a game, and then unfortunately let things slip away in the, the latter innings of that one. Then you go out, you play three really, really tough games against Baltimore on the road. You look like you're going to walk away with two out of three against a team that's ahead of you in the wild card standings and an upstart Baltimore Orioles team that's looked really, really impressive. Easily the biggest surprise in all of baseball here in 2022. But then things happen. Adam Engel drops the the pop fly and... Uh, then, of course, the the rally happens and the, the Trace Towers home run just pitches later. And then, of course, the Orioles walk it off in the 11th in that one. Again, a frustrating start to this week for the White Sox. And then you compound that. You think, oh, if there's anyone that you want pitching for you, the day after a game like that finale in Baltimore, it's Johnny Cueto. Unfortunately, Johnny's human. And he just had one of those human games for the White Sox. He, I mean, it's tough to knock Johnny Cueto for anything this season. He has been one of the biggest surprises. You know, I'll say he has been the biggest surprise for the White Sox. Some people will point to Dylan Cease as being the biggest surprise, but there were at least inklings that you could see Cease get to this level. Maybe not Cy Young candidate level, but you could have seen him be one of the better pitchers in the American League, one of the best pitchers in the American League, take that next leap in his progression. But Johnny Cueto's sort of come out of nowhere, a guy who was just didn't garner a whole heck of a lot of interest. The White Sox signed him late. They used the minor leagues to ramp him up a little bit. And what do you know? He's been an absolute stud for this White Sox rotation for a team that went into the year thinking he would be the probably number five starter when things were all said and done with this White Sox rotation. But if the White Sox were in a playoff series, Johnny Cueto would be the number two pitcher, I believe 
in that starting rotation if this team were to get to October. Again, White Sox right now four games back in the division, six games back in the wild card. And not just are they four games back in the division, but they're chasing two teams. Minnesota, a game ahead of them. They are two ahead in the loss column, even in the win column. And then Cleveland has started to pull away a little bit. There's This has been the week where we've seen Cleveland sort of garner a little bit of separation, but it's been a very volatile AL Central. We've seen a rotating cast of characters atop it, but could this be the week we look back on when things are all said and done and say, yeah, that's where Cleveland sort of pulled away and, and made their move and solidified themselves as one of those teams. And it's interesting, too, because Cleveland, much like the White Sox, didn't do a lot at the trade deadline. They were one of those teams that were quiet, even though they were in contention, especially in one of the weaker divisions in all of baseball. So Cleveland was one of those teams that, just like the White Sox, didn't do a lot, but here they are. They're playing some really good baseball here down the stretch. They just came off of an impressive series with the Padres, and I believe they are in Seattle right now, uh, the Cleveland Guardians. So, yeah, this is going to be one of those stretches now. The White Sox, you've got a very winnable series still. I know you dropped the first, but we've seen a handful of times this year where the White Sox dropped that first game against a team, especially a team that you think, hey, you can go out and jump on them in that first game, and then you have your eyes set on a sweep for the series in Arizona. But this is a, a White Sox team that has had a, at times this season, come back and take in two of three despite dropping the first of three games in the series. So 3 one 2 3 3 2 3 7 7 6. Where are you feeling with this White Sox team, especially after the week that was for Chicago? Because there was a tough game in Kansas City, a frustrating series in Baltimore where you come away with 34 hits, 34 hits in a series, and the White Sox only able to, to muster up 12 runs despite putting the bat on the ball and making some good contact throughout the course of the series. And then you have the frustrating loss yesterday where Johnny Cueto, they just kind of jumped on him early. Six runs in the second inning against Cueto, something you haven't really seen out of Johnny so far this season. And and really over the course of his career, I mean, Johnny Cueto has been an all-star pitcher and a World Series champion over the course of his very, very solid career. And And yesterday was... Just one of the unfortunate uh, bad outings that he had so far this season. This is only the second time as a White Sox pitcher that Cueto has allowed more than three runs, which when you think about it, what is one of the qualifiers for a quality start? It's three runs or fewer earned runs allowed. And unfortunately for the White Sox and Cueto yesterday was one of the duds for him, but he has had a fantastic season. He really only had the the one bad inning. Outside of that, it was kind of Johnny Cueto as usual. But when you have the one bad inning, especially as early as you did, you kind of put yourself out of the game. So 3-1-2-3-3-2-3-7-7-6. White Sox looking to rally back today and get back in the win column against an Arizona team that you look at the record 57 and 67 this is a team that especially at home you should be able to to make some ground up you should be able to go out there and finish off this series Davis Martin going up against Merrill Kelly today and that's going to be one of those pitching matchups Davis Martin getting called up back to the big leagues today again we've seen him up and down up and down with the White Sox so far this year he's Going to make the start tonight. He's made eight appearances. Four of them have been starts for the White Sox over seven up and downs with Chicago this year. He's two and three, a 425 ERA in 36 innings. Also has punched out 26 batters as well. He's one of those guys who, especially when you see double headers, you'll see a lot of Davis Martin in the thick of things. So 
He will get the start today against Merrill Kelly, who's been really good. A really solid pitcher for the Arizona Diamondbacks. You know, there's, it's almost surprising that Merrill Kelly is still with the, the Arizona Diamondbacks. I think a lot of teams maybe thought, oh, he could be a, a trade candidate um, heading into this season. And, and he has put together a really nice start to his season. 10-5, and five, a 287 ERA for Merrill Kelly. So it's not going to be easy for for the White Sox today going up against one of the better pitchers in the National League in Kelly. So we will see what the White Sox can muster up. 3-1-2-3-3-2-3-7-7-6. But again, getting back to some of the frustrations from this week in the White Sox world. You know, we, we've hit a point in the season now where you're starting to say, if not now, when? We've kind of been waiting for that big White Sox run. When are we going to see this team out there and put together 8 out of 10. Get together and put together a 12 out of 15 stretch where they're just playing really strong baseball. I know a lot of people will point to some of those long winning streaks that we saw Baltimore and Seattle put together earlier this year. That's just tough to do. In a 10-game sample size, it's really, really, really tough to win all 10 of those games. But can you put together some of these stretches where you're taking 7 of 8? Uh, against some teams, especially some of these these lesser competition teams. You've got, you look at the, the schedule right here, you've got the three with Arizona, and then after this, it's three with Kansas City. And even though Kansas City has sort of had your number this year, it doesn't take away from where they're sitting in the standings right now at 51 and 76 and not in contention for anything right now. And then after that, it's a stretch against Minnesota. So there is going to be some chances to elevate yourself in the standings, and then you've got a trip out west, which isn't going to be easy. At Seattle, Seattle's playing some really good baseball right now. Congratulations as well to Julio Rodriguez, who just made himself a big chunk of change. I do want to go around MLB. We'll do that later on in the show as well. And and then it's a four-game set against Oakland as well. But, hey, weird things can happen out west. Even though the A's have had a, a challenging start to their season, it's one of those series that you just cannot get tripped up. You would have said the same thing about Arizona. You finally get back home. You're starting the longest road, uh, or rather the longest homestand of the season for the White Sox of nine games. You've got a chance to make up some ground here. So let's see what the White Sox can do over the course of these next eight games at Guaranteed Rate Field, a place that really has been somewhat tricky for the White Sox this year, especially for teams in playoff contention. You don't find a lot of them that have losing records at home. Right now, the White Sox, 30-32. and Just look on the flip side right now for the Arizona Diamondbacks. They're a team that is well below 500, 10 games below 500 right now at 57-67, and but their home record right now, 32-32. and The reason why they're so far behind is they haven't played well on the road, 25-35 and this year. Meanwhile, the White Sox have been a good road club so far this season, 33-31. and You'll take that. Um, away from home. You even look at a team like the Yankees, one of the better teams in all of baseball. They're 33 and 28, five games above. The White Sox, two games above right now, so not much separation there. Um, but you look at some of the best of the best, the teams that are in playoff contention right now, some of the home records are really, really good. And really, the White Sox are the one outlier right now among teams that are truly in contention for a playoff spot in the American League right now. The White Sox are the only team sub-500 at their home ballpark, which is something that maybe is a, a cause for optimism, I would say, because 
that stuff usually evens itself out over the course of the season. So um, I'm interested to see what happens. Now, here's one of the things that does happen when you are at home is you got that home crowd, and especially when you've had a week like the White Sox did, frustrations can start to boil up. And we heard Tony La Russa yesterday, the fans getting a little antsy. You heard the Boo Birds at Guaranteed Rate Field. And Tony La Russa addressed it after the game. And I thought he was very candid in his response. And one of the better uh, statements I think we've heard out of Tony La Russa talking about the fans and their frustrations yesterday. This was Tony La Russa after the game talking about the fans at Guaranteed Rate Field booing the White Sox. To me, it was amazing. It was the 7th, 8th, ninth inning. As futile as that game had been for the fans to yell, let's go White Sox. That's amazing. That takes you the last year, you know. You win here, it'll be as good or better than any place else. Right now, we're 500, so. See, the fans were displeased at the end. You know, it's a crucial time of year. No, I mean, they came to see us win a ball game. We got beaten. And for most of the game, I mean, the lopsided, right? They have every right to be upset. The team, manager, whatever they want. I mean, they got every right to do it. But I'm just saying, the fact that they were here, and they did say, let's go White Sox, amazing fan support here. And I've got plenty of experience. But there ain't no free lunch. It's a two-way relationship. They support you, you got to give back. So we got to do, do more about giving back. Yep, two-way relationship. I think Tony kind of hit it on the head right there. So we will talk about that and more coming up with Connor McKnight. He's going to join the show from Guaranteed Raid Field. I don't think he'll be booing, though, when we check in with him. That's coming up next. It's White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Join us at Guaranteed Raid Field tomorrow, August 28th, as the White Sox take on the Arizona Diamondbacks. The first 15,000 fans will receive a White Sox Oris Bear Mug presented by Oris Watches. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash tickets. It's White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight, but have no fear, Connor is here. He's joining us from Guaranteed Rate Field. Good afternoon, Connor. How you doing today? Tyler, how you feeling? Always a pleasure. Happy beginning of, uh, of the college football season to you. I know you observe, so uh, happy Saturday. As do you. So, okay, before we get into the baseball, I know you've been consumed with the White Sox and baseball pretty yeah, much I for have. the last, what, five, six months? But yeah, call it two years, for sure. <laughs> do you have a prediction for your Wisconsin Badgers? Who do we play? I'm just talking a season-long prediction. Oh, we're going to win it all, man. Who do we play? (laughs) I like the optimism there. I haven't looked into it yet. I know. I, You know, listen, I... The way I kind of consume college football now is, you know, we we have these jobs where we get so in-depth on, on every team we cover, on the White Sox or what have you, and after years of doing this, I have now, you know, finally found the happy place with, with the Wisconsin Badger football team, and I just, I just kind of let it happen. I, I try not to learn a lot anymore. I sit down, I watch the games when I have a chance, and I just observe it as, as though it is a, as a, as a pastime instead of a, a real rooting interest. I no longer have to. You know, sink into the floor when Russell Wilson throws a Hail Mary interception against Michigan State or against Ohio State uh, and, and want for everything to end. It's, uh, it's better this way, not knowing anything about the sport that you love so much. So it's, uh, that's what I've chosen to do with my life. Yeah, it used to be binary for you, too, as well. Is, are we going oh, yeah. to Wills today or are we not going to Wills today? Exactly, exactly. It's, uh, am, I, am I going to hang out with everyone that was in my dorm eight years ago? Uh, that was when it was at Wills. Now it's closer to 15. It doesn't matter how long, Tyler. <laughs> stop asking questions. Uh, or, or am I not? Or am I not going to see everyone in my dorm at Wills? But either way, it's a good time. 
All right, let's get into the baseball stuff here. So this was a, a kind of frustrating week for White Sox fans. It starts with the, the loss in Kansas City. Then you have the game against Baltimore in the series finale. And then you think you, you've got a, a good chance to rebound. You've got Johnny Cueto going against a Diamondbacks team that at the time was 11 games under 500. But you get jumped on early in that one. What, what have you seen out of the White Sox over the past week? That Give, give us something, uh, some optimism maybe from the White Sox over this past week. Well, sure. I, I mean, there is a, a little bit there, unfortunately, for the White Sox. Their hard-hit baseballs for finding gloves yet again. I mean, you look at And spectacular night. plays with gloves, oh, too. Oh, my word. The, the play that Alec Thomas made on Jose Abreu last night was uh, as close to breathtaking as you're going to see. It was in the right center gap. The kid took off with a good beat on it. He had a lot of speed getting up to it. And even when he dove, when he left his feet, I thought, ah, He's not going to get that. Good try, buddy. Uh, but he did. I mean, my goodness, what a catch. And that that saves two runs. Um, you know, Johnny Cueto was, yeah, I don't want to say due for one that didn't go his way, but maybe he was. And, you know, even still, you look at an outing like last night, and should he not walk the nine-hitter, Geraldo Perdomo, uh, that inning probably doesn't spiral into six runs. You know, the problem for the White Sox, as it has been for a lot this year, is that, you know, as as they hit, it's kind of been singles. It's not been enough power or certainly not the power that you've expected out of them. Gavin Sheets is back in the lineup today. Uh, Leori Garcia is back and activated. The White Sox do have a couple injuries, which I'm sure you covered in the opening of the show, Tyler. But uh, there are some silver linings here. Hopefully there's enough to take the next two from the Diamondbacks and get themselves, you know, back into the picture in the AL Central the same way that they were when they entered last week. You know, it's been interesting this year, the opening game against lesser teams. We've seen the White Sox drop some of these weird ones, whether it was Arizona last night, we've seen it with Kansas City, we've seen it against Detroit, losing that opening game of the series. Is there anything that you attribute that to? You know, I, I, I would have tried to come up with something if yesterday hadn't happened. And the reason I say that is because Johnny Cueto, who was on the roll of rolls, right? I mean, eight innings and three of his last four starts, ten straight quality starts. It's Johnny Cueto walking out there against the Arizona Diamondbacks, and he just has one of those starts. And I think, you know, regardless, even if the White Sox had had two or three of those hits fall in, they're still looking at a six-run deficit against the Diamondbacks, and, you know, two or three of those fall in, and we're talking about a three-run deficit, so they're still chasing more. I, I don't know that there is, you know, a common denominator in those losses. Um, I, I do think that it's weird that the power hasn't been there here at home this season. Specifically, this is a ballpark you want to hit home runs in. And the White Sox, for a host of different reasons, I assume, have not been able to do that. I think that, as much as anything, might tell you uh, or, or might be a reason why the production and, therefore, the results haven't been what they should be here at home. Connor McKnight with us here on White Sox Weekly. You'll hear him on the call alongside Darren Jackson coming up. First pitch at 610 today from Guaranteed Rate Field. So you talk about the power and it the way that it has regressed here in 2022 and we always hear it's going to get back to to normal like that's just the way that's the i mean regression to the mean you hear that phrase all the time but at a certain point what point at what point do you say yeah it's not going to regress to the mean well i think that point may have come and gone you know at, at this at this juncture in the season and i think this team right now 
needs to win the way it's shown it can win over the last couple of weeks, right? I mean, when they were taking the first two against the Houston Astros, you know, kind of uh, bucking some trends, winning the first game of a series, beating a, a good over 500, a really good team, they won that first two in some tight ball games. They pitched really well, they played defense really well, and they were able to come up with a couple of big hits when it mattered. And they also stranded a few and, and came up with, uh, you know, weren't able to pile on a couple of them early and needed that hit in the eighth, the seventh in the eighth with Yohan Moncada there. I think that might be the way the White Sox are looking to win ball games here. That is not unfamiliar to this team. It can play, play better defense than it has at times. Certainly that catch that uh, was missed in Baltimore in the final game of that series isn't typical of Adam Engel, but it has, unfortunately, but a little bit too typical of this club this year. It can still pitch well, this White Sox team. Um, pitch really well, in fact. And hopefully Davis Martin you know, this is, is able to kind of continue that and take the baton from where the White Sox starters, for the most part, with a very you know, strange exception of Johnny Cueto last night, uh, have been able to take things. I, I think that's the way they've got to win down the stretch here. It is a more difficult way to win, but this has been a more difficult se- uh, season than a lot of people expected for the White Sox to begin with. You mentioned Yoan Moncada there, and he hit the 10-day IL today, retroactive to yesterday with a strained left hamstring. You know, a lot of people have been critical of Yoan Moncada, but one thing that myself and I think you as well have been steadfast in is, okay, the production may not be there from the plate, but some of the things that he does defensively have won the White Sox games this year. I mean, even just look at the... It was the the game that they won against Baltimore this week, and he makes that nice play to start the double play that gets the White Sox out of a big jam and could have given Baltimore a chance to win that game. For a team that right now is last in the American League in airs, this is concerning to me, missing Yoan Moncada over these next 10 or so days. Yeah, it is. And you've got Larry Garcia at third base tonight. Josh Harrison is apparently still dealing, and I want to get the words right. Uh, LaRusso said bumps and bruises for Josh Harrison, and at times he's had to sit a few days because of bumps and bruises, the way Tony's put it. So you're down more infielders. And I, I guess the plan was for Larry Garcia to spend the weekend at AAA Charlotte, getting a few more at-bats, but because of the situation with Yoan and that leg and Jake Berger uh, also having a non-displaced wrist fracture after getting hit with a pitch the other night, um, the, he's not an option later. He's got to be the guy that comes up. So you are not only without Yoan Moncada, but you know between Larry Garcia and Luis Robert, you're asking guys who are you know either not at 100 percent or not all the way back up to speed in the case of Larry uh, to come up here and produce and contribute. You know you hope for good defense. You hope for your uh, your guys in the middle, Vaughn Abreu, Jimenez, Sheets, to get it done and put up runs here against the Diamondbacks. Merrill Kelly certainly a tough customer this evening. Um, but, I, you know, that defense does matter, especially when we're talking about run prevention being an amalgamation of, of pitching and defense. I think that's going to be key for the Sox. And, and without Yoan, uh, defensively at the very least, that could just be a little bit where the White Sox are somewhat vulnerable. Connor McKnight with us here on White Sox Weekly. You'll hear him on the call alongside Darren Jackson. First pitch coming up at 610. A couple news and notes things I want to get to with you as well. Tim Anderson and the World Baseball Classic. He's going to play for Team USA. I know this without knowing this. You're a big World Baseball Classic guy. Yeah, I I am. It's been a little while since I've gotten to sit down and watch it in full. I remember there was a 
gosh, what was it? The DR team a couple of years ago with uh, Jose Reyes. Remember mm-hmm. Jose yep. Reyes was a big deal. They were hitting home runs left and right, styling and profiling the whole thing. I, I think I'd love to see, honestly, a 30 for 30 on that team in that World Baseball Classic. I, if memory, I think it was them in Japan in the final game, and I think Japan might have won that year. Um, but that team, that particular team with Jose Reyes right there, was like the, okay, we're done in Major League Baseball doing this whole don't pimp a homer, don't play with emotion, don't flip a bat. Like, that that team, that World Baseball Classic did that for the Major Leagues, I think. I, I would love to see a 30-30 for that and how that team, that, that kind of televised thing reverberated. I remember covering uh, both the White Sox and at the time the Cubs. I was at a different shop covering a, uh, a different spate of sports, and I remember watching that at the place I was staying in Arizona and thinking, wow, this is some seriously fun stuff. Like, this is just a different brand, a different feel. Uh, and I liked it quite a bit. Um, hopefully we get the same in, in this coming World Baseball Classic. And I would imagine Tim is, you know, definitely that kind of guy to put that kind of emotion into the uh, Team USA. Him and Cedric Mullins up the middle, right? Yeah. I think it's uh, mm-hmm. Cedric Mullins of the Orioles. Who's going to be in center field for Team USA? That's a pretty good up the middle. Yeah, and Mike Trout's going to be there too. So I mean, oh, you've got, I hadn't seen Trout's in it. That's y- great. Yep, you've got all these different options there. A lot of fun baseball to be had in the World Baseball Classic. Real quick before I let you go here, the MLB released their schedules for 2023, and the big change is everybody plays everybody. Thumbs up or thumbs down? I like it. I like it. I, I think for the most part because. The divisional matchups at 19 had gotten to a point for me, and I'm really I'm trying to take the I cover baseball for a living thing out of this. It had gotten to be a little bit too much. I, I get that we like our divisions in baseball. I understand that with extra playoff teams, even more importance is thrown on winning the division. Um, but I I was ready to see that change. I'm ready to see the landscape change a little bit. And with the universal DH, it just made sense. We're all we're all ready for it. Um, and I think too, you know, with the with the league perhaps expanding over the next couple of years yeah. to more places, I think that will draw in uh, just a little bit more interest with those two extra teams wherever they end up landing. Um, that they're going to see everybody uh, every season. I think it's a cool factor. Yeah. Connor McKnight, you'll hear him alongside Darren Jackson later on today. And, oh, by the way, we do need our gateway to the booth question. If you could ask DJ anything off the record, what would it be? Uh, how'd you get to be the way you are? Just leave it, just leave it open-ended like that. How'd you get to be the way you are and let him fill in the blanks? I, I think, think his answer would one. be no. Yeah, I think, it, or B, or B. Or B. B. No, yep. or B. Or or E, when E does not exist on the, the four-poll question. It's entirely possible. Or Connor a combination. Mc, yep. Connor McKnight, you'll hear him later on. Thanks so much for stopping in on White Sox Weekly. Of course, Tyler, anytime. All right, that's Connor McKnight, 6'10", first pitch against the Diamondbacks today. He'll be on the call alongside Darren Jackson. We'll have the pregame show for you coming up at 5.30. Before we hit the break, let's pause 10 seconds for Station ID on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Getting you ready for White Sox and Diamondbacks. An interleague uh, tilt today on the south side at Guaranteed Rate Field. You'll hear Connor McKnight alongside Darren Jackson coming up at 6-10 for first pitch. Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight here on White Sox Weekly. So a lot of things happening right now with the White Sox roster. Let's go through some of the big roster moves, of course, from uh, that happened earlier today. 
So Lance Lynn was placed on the bereavement list. He'll miss a couple of days here. He The bereavement list basically means you can miss up to three, but no more than seven. Um, so you won't see Lynn with the White Sox for the next handful of days. Um, also, Yoan Moncada was placed on the 10-day IL retroactive to yesterday with a strained left hamstring. I talked about it a little bit with Connor. I think this is going to be a pretty big deal for the White Sox. I know... Yoan hasn't had the season at the plate that a lot of people would have liked to seen have seen this year. Uh, he's batting 197. He's uh, on base at 269. He's slugging 313. So that gives him an OPS sub 600 right now. But this is a guy who defensively makes things a lot easier for this White Sox team. He has made a couple of plays that have, quite frankly, won games for the White Sox. One of them came earlier this week against Baltimore that started a double play that the White Sox really needed to get out of a late jam in a game. And it seemed like the tide was starting to flip the other way for this plucky upstart Orioles team. But Yohan Moncada went out and made a play, and he's done it quite a few times. And for a team that this year has made 78 errors, dead last in the American League in errors right now, you need a guy like Moncada to solidify that defense because your alternatives right now are are not nearly at the caliber of Yoan Moncada. It's the same argument that I've had with a lot of people who who are always advocating for Jake Berger. I think there's a spot for Jake Berger, and I think Jake Berger is a very fine player. But do I want him as my everyday third baseman over Yoan Moncada? My answer is no, because of what Moncada brings to the table defensively, and we've seen Jake have his fair share of struggles over at third base. So no Moncada for the foreseeable future uh, for the White Sox over at third base. So they will miss his defense sorely over the next week, week and a half maybe. Davis Martin was recalled from AAA Charlotte. He's going to make the start tonight. He's been one of those guys up and down with the White Sox. You've seen him plenty of times with this White Sox team. Seven different stints in on the south side so far this year. Two and three. A 4.25 ERA. He's made four starts. He'll make number five tonight. And 36 innings of work, 26 strikeouts there. And then Leori Garcia back with the White Sox after a rehab stint in Charlotte. He went one for four the other day, uh, that, that being last night actually in Charlotte, as the DH. He's hitting 212 this season with eight doubles. He's going to slot in and play third base in place of Moncada today. So. Sox will have another utility glove and player to use around the infield or outfield, wherever they may see fit. And when you're dealing with injuries the way that the White Sox are right now, I know Leori is one of those guys who the White Sox fans really like to to dig at, but Leori is a guy who right now you kind of need because who knows what Luis Roberts' status is right now. You heard Tony LaRusa yesterday say, not likely we're going to see Robert, but he wants to keep him on the roster just in case you need him in a pinch for a, maybe you need him in defensively, maybe he can give you something um, on the base paths as well. Uh, I doubt we'll see him pinch hit. You just saw the way that he tried to gut out that at bat against Baltimore in the series finale. And, and quite frankly, it wasn't a competitive at bat because he was swinging one-handed eff- effectively. And if, if he did make contact with against Bautista, who was pumping in 102, 103, 104, well, probably wasn't going to end well for Luis. And who knows, maybe he even further injures himself trying to swing at one of those things with one hand. So not going to see Luis Robert at the plate in all likelihood 
for this Diamondback series, but he is going to hang on the roster for right now. 312-332-3776, anything White Sox on your mind? Again, last night, not a pretty one for the Sox. Arizona with six runs in that second inning. We hadn't seen a Johnny Cueto start like that all season long, and I think if we're saying that on August 27th, overall a win, but unfortunately it was kind of a, a spot where I don't want to say it was a must win for the White Sox because that certainly isn't true, but it's a spot that it kind of felt like you had to have it. It would have made you feel a lot better about this team and their ability to rally because at the end of the day, dropping two of three to the Orioles, not a bad thing. And I know it, like the connotation of that sounds weird right now because of where the Orioles have been the last couple of seasons, but the Orioles right now knocking on the door of a playoff spot, and they have been really, really good and have rebounded really nicely, really since Adley Rutschman came up for Baltimore this season, their top prospect and a guy who went number one in the draft a couple of years ago. Ever since then, the, the Orioles have been a completely different team. They've worked themselves into the playoff conversation. Oh, and by the way, they're doing it while playing in the toughest division in all of baseball, that being the AL East that has five teams that uh, Boston's kind of out of it right now. They're eight games out of the wild card, but five teams that have been competitive this year and have been in the mix for the playoffs at some point or another here in the month of August. So that to me, I'm looking at, at that as two of three, not really a bad thing against the Orioles, but when you're where you're at right now as the White Sox, a team that six games back in the wild card, four games back, you really haven't had a grasp of the division in quite some time. That has been ceded to the Twins and the Guardians as of late. You haven't had control of the AL Central like you thought you would heading into the season when a lot of people pinned the White Sox as a World Series contender for 2022. It was a series where you kind of needed to take two out of three, and you were in position to take two out of three. You were a Adam Engel squeeze down the left field foul line away from taking two out of three against a playoff team, and you're talking about this White Sox team maybe in a different light. Maybe it would have been something that would have propelled Cueto, given him a little bit more confidence heading into that start yesterday against the Diamondbacks. And I think the other thing with Cueto He had a streak of 10 straight quality starts come to an end yesterday. But I I think one of the things with him is every pitch that he has had to make this year has felt pressure packed because of the fact that the White Sox offense has not given him a lot of run support this season. Just going through some of the numbers here. Baseball reference does a really good job of laying this out. Run support in games started. Johnny Cueto so far this season, has made... Let me count this up right here. How many starts has Cueto made? He has made 18 starts this season. So for a guy who's made 18 starts this season, one, he has gotten no runs of support. Two, he has gotten one run of support. Three, he has gotten just two runs of support. And five... He has gotten three runs of support. So if you add that up, 11 of his 18 starts that he has made this year, he has gotten three runs or fewer of support. And that's why the quality start metric for Johnny Cueto has been so important this year because without it, who knows where this White Sox team would be. Right now they're sitting at 500. And I think if Johnny Cueto doesn't go out there and get you the amount of quality starts that he has, this could be a team that... 
quite frankly, could be six or five games under 500 right now. And you're talking about the White Sox as a team that may be out of it right now. So Johnny Cueto has certainly been a life raft. And I think he's going to be subject of our Twitter poll today. So be sure to give that a look when it's out on our account at ESPN White Sox on Twitter. Uh, 312-332-3776 if you want to hop on into the conversation. Coming up next, I want to have a conversation about the power outage for this team. And really, what's gone wrong for why this White Sox team hasn't been able to put up the numbers, especially the power numbers? And I talked about it a little bit with Connor. Maybe the train has left the station on the regression to the mean conversation. We'll talk about that when we come back. Also going to have a conversation with Gavin Sheets later on. He'll join us from Guaranteed Rate Field. Looking forward to that. He may be able to provide a little bit of insight on the lack of power that this White Sox team is working with right now. So we'll do all that and more when we come back. If you want to hop on in, 312-332-3776. Hey, get to the ballpark for the summer t-shirt series tomorrow, September 1st, as the White Sox. That's not tomorrow. That is a week or uh, it's coming up later on this week. That's Thursday, I believe. September 1st, as the White Sox take on the Kansas City Royals at 1.10 p.m. First 10,000 fans will receive a White Sox t-shirt designed by Liz Flores and presented by Moraine Valley Community College. Again, that's September 1st this week as the White Sox take on the Royals. For tickets, visit whitesox.com slash summer series. White Sox Weekly will be right back on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Welcome back to White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Hey, join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on September 2nd as the White Sox take on the Minnesota Twins. First pitch at 7.10 p.m. Be sure to stay after the game for a post-game fireworks show presented by Securian Financial Insurance Investments Retirement. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. And hey, you got to go see those fireworks because fireworks season coming to a close, believe it or not, as we continue to dwindle down in these final days of August as playoffs and October baseball right around the corner. White Sox hoping to be a part of that mix. 312-332-3776. If you've got a thought on what you saw from the White Sox this week, want to dive into some of the power numbers for this White Sox team and, and really I think when you talk about the power numbers for the Sox, it gets into the larger conversation of just offensive production this year. And you look at what the White Sox have done since the All-Star break. I did some of the the number crunching earlier today. So since the All-Star break this year, the White Sox have two games where they have scored seven or more runs. When you score seven, you feel really, really good about your chances of winning. At this point last year, as we sit, August 27th, the White Sox had 11 games where they had scored seven or more runs. So just look at that gap right there. That's a difference of about eight or nine wins. You figure when you score seven runs, you're probably going to win at least eight of those nine games uh, that are the difference between this year and last year. That is a completely different White Sox team that we're talking about right now. That is a team that is well ahead in the AL Central right now. You feel really good about where they're at offensively, and you couple it with some of the pitching performances that this team has gotten from guys like Johnny Cueto and Dylan Cease, and you feel really, really good about what you've got, and you feel like this is a team that maybe can make some noise in the playoffs. So power numbers way down for this White Sox team, like I mentioned, as you look at specifically with the home runs. 
The White Sox this season are 26th in all of baseball in home runs. However, they're not striking out at the rate that you would expect them to be given their offensive struggles. They're actually sixth best in strikeouts this year. Um, And you compare that to a team, though, like Cleveland. Cleveland is also one of those interesting teams that doesn't have a ton of power. I mean, just look in their lineup. Not a lot of power there to begin with. And they got rid of one of their big power bats as well in in front of Mill Reyes. So Cleveland right now, second to last in all of baseball in home runs. They strike out the fewest of any team in all of baseball. So right there, you, you look at the two profiles between the White Sox and the Guardians. Very similar. Bottom of the barrel in home runs and a team that doesn't strike out a whole heck of a lot. However, there's two plays in baseball that I deem to be absolute momentum killers. I should lump a third one in there as well, actually. Um, it's strikeouts, it's double plays, and it's outs on the base paths. And we've seen the White Sox be one of those teams that has struggled on the base paths. Meanwhile, we've seen Cleveland as a team that's been fairly aggressive on the base paths and fairly aggressive with success. I, I think about... Some of the games that they played against the White Sox this year, anytime a ball was hit to left field, they were chugging like they were going to go for two. And if whoever was in left field was back on their heels, playing it casually, they were going to take second base. And they were going to continue to do it until you threw them out. Meanwhile, the White Sox, they're a team that their aggression has led to some mistakes on the base pass. They get thrown out at home a lot. They get thrown out on the bases a lot. And that's something that needs to correct itself. But the double plays is another area where the White Sox have struggled. They have hit into the fourth most double plays in all of baseball. Meanwhile, Cleveland has hit into the 10th fewest in all of baseball. So you you couple those two, and when you're getting those momentum-killing plays and you're not creating as many momentum-creating plays like home runs, like extra base hits. Those are the differences in ball games, and a big reason why the White Sox have struggled since the All-Star break and why they've only scored seven or more runs two times since the All-Star break. So it's it makes sense, I think, to a degree, why the White Sox are where they are from a double play standpoint. A, You've got a lot of guys who have been in and out of the lineup with injuries. So we oftentimes will see guys not hustle all the way to first base or or maybe are a little more cautious on their way to first base because of the fact that they have had these nagging injuries. And we've even heard from the coaching staff there have been directives that at times you're not going to hustle all the way the, the full 90 feet. Now, I don't think that applies to to double play balls because you should be trying to get there all the way. But you just look at some of these guys that are in the lineups. Speed isn't something that really jumps off the page with this White Sox team. You've got a couple guys that certainly have plenty of speed, whether it's Adam Engel, Tim Anderson, some of those guys. But you've got some others who you look at their their scouting reports. Speed isn't the thing that comes first to mind. Eloy Jimenez, Gavin Sheets, Jose Abreu, um, Yoan Moncada. I think some of those guys 
and the way that they've hit into double plays, it's hurt this team. Yasmani Grandal is another one that, that comes to mind, too. Um, and again, you're not going to see your catchers run out a lot of double, beat a lot of double play balls as well. That's not a Yasmani thing. That's more of a catcher thing. Um, but yeah, it's some of these momentum killing plays that have really hurt this White Sox team offensively. Can they find that regression? That remains to be seen right now. And I had that conversation with, with Connor a, a little bit ago. And if you missed it, go check out the, the White Sox Weekly Podcast at the conclusion of the show. We've got it for you on the ESPN Chicago app or wherever you get your podcasts. But I think about, can this team get their bats to where we thought they would be from a power standpoint? Can this team, can the Jose Abreus, can the Aloy Jimenez's, can the Luis Roberts, Yoan Moncada's get their bats to where we thought they would be here in 2022? Can they get some of those extra base hits? Can they get some of those home runs? Right now, the White Sox have a pair of players leading the way in home runs. Jose Abreu, Andrew Vaughn, they each have 14. It's not where you thought this team would be right now. I mean, you've got three players on your roster with double-digit home runs this season in what is, I would consider, a a fairly hitter-friendly ballpark and one that can let you leave the yard with, with a good amount of frequency. You look at the other side of your competition today in the Arizona Diamondbacks, they've already got five different guys in double figures here in 2022 in the home run department, including Christian Walker, who maybe is having the quietest 30 home run season in baseball right now. Uh, One of the quieter um, slugging seasons. I mean, he has been fantastic for this team. 30 home runs, 18 doubles for the Arizona Diamondbacks. Walker has been amazing at the plate this year and has given this Diamondbacks team plenty of power that, that, quite frankly... Uh, the White Sox could use right now. They they have had a power outage all season long, and you start to get to the point where, I don't know, like, can this team get to the power numbers that we've seen in the past? And, and can these guys get back to their power numbers that we're used to? You know, it, it's kind of a the state of the, the union here is Jake Berger right now on your team is currently tied for fifth in home runs. Jake Berger has played in 51 games this year. Meanwhile, you've got a, a handful of guys that have played in over double that right now. Um, you look at Aloy Jimenez. He's, like Berger, played in 51 games this year, and he's got seven home runs. I, I, I'm, I'm, it's getting to a point now where it's like maybe it's too late for this power resurgence to come but that doesn't mean there aren't other ways to win baseball games there's other ways to score runs than just the home run ball the thing is though is that the home run ball oftentimes will will carry with it a couple extra runs with it whether it it's a two-run shot three-run shot or or the almighty grand slam those are things that this white Sox team because like you think about it too with the amount of singles that the White Sox have hit this year. And we read off the numbers of hits that they had in the Baltimore series. They had 34 hits against the Orioles. That usually doesn't lead to the low total in runs that the White Sox had in that series. They were only able to muster up 12 runs on 34 hits. If, they were, if there was a time for the White Sox to get the power going, you would have 
expected it to be in July or, or June, and, and certainly you would have expected it to to start to plateau a little bit here into August with enhanced numbers in June and July. But we just haven't gotten there with the White Sox. So 312-332-3776. Let's go on out to the phones. Frank's on the road. Frank, you're on White Sox Weekly. You there, Frank? How are you, buddy? How are you? I'm good. How you doing, Frank? What you got? Well, I got to ask you a question. I mean, I'm a season ticket holder. I go to every game, most every game. What makes you think these guys are going to turn things around? What, is an angel going to come down from heaven on their shoulders? This team is not a good team. They're underachievers and overrated. They got a manager half the time don't know his name. You got guys on this team that are lazy because they're tall, don't run out ground balls because you might pull a hamstring. They don't hustle. They don't run the bases right. They don't. You know what? You know the biggest difference between this team and Cleveland is the guy sitting on the bench. And we had a chance to get him in 2012. And we passed him over some dollars and cents that they brought Robin Ventura. And Ozzie Gein last night, too, after the game. I got faith. What do you got faith in, Ozzie? The world-famous guy that throws people under the bus. You got faith in this team? What are you guys watching? I'd like to know what you – and I respect you guys. I love your show. I go out there. I've been out there 17 times this year. I've seen him win three times. Isn't that great? Season in ticket holder who spent 6000 a year on tickets. So I'd like to know what you guys think is going to turn this around. Thank you for taking my call. Thanks, you, Frank, for checking on in. Appreciate the passion, and I get the frustrations. Listen, this is a team that if you told anybody, hey, what's the latest point in the season the White Sox are going to be at 500 like they are right now, 63 and 63? What's the latest point in the season that the White Sox are going to be at 500? I mean, could you see them maybe being in 500 in April? Maybe you get off to like a 2-2 two and two start or a 4-4 four and four start. Yeah, like you could see that happening. I don't think people would have pinned August 27th as a, t- as a time that this White Sox team would be at 500. They've underachieved this year. There's no doubt about that right now. Now, injuries have played a part in that, and hopefully you get a little bit healthier. We'll see. It's certainly going to be a, an interesting climb for this White Sox team. Um, we are going to talk with Gavin Sheets. That's coming up at 5 o'clock. Looking forward to that conversation because I, I will say this. You talk about some of the surprises that this team has had. Uh, we talked about Johnny Cueto, but Gavin Sheets is resurgent since getting called back up. He's hit, hitting over 300 in those 46 games that he's appeared in since then. And he's hitting. he's getting multi-hit games, too. That has been super impressive to me. You look at Gavin's numbers, um, He's got 14 of his 29 multi-hit games in his career, and they've come in his 37 starts that he's had since being recalled again from AAA Charlotte. You know, it's one thing a lot of people a lot of people put a lot of stock into hitting streaks, right? Uh, like, how long can you can you go on a roll here? How many games in a row can you get a hit? I put a little more stock into the multi-hit game because of the fact that it shows how well you're seeing a pitcher. And it shows your ability to go out there and just have big games. And big games are ultimately what win games, too. So I look at Gavin as one of those guys who has been one of those nice surprises after he struggled at the beginning portion of this season. And now he's starting to live back up to some of his expectations that he had when he was a prospect in this White Sox organization. So looking forward to that conversation with Gavin Sheets. We'll do that coming up at 5 o'clock. When we come back, we'll get you the lineups for today and set the table for the Diamondbacks and the White Sox game two of a three-game set 
And we'll also talk about the schedule because this is an interleague game. And there are some changes being made to the MLB schedule. So I do want to talk about that a little bit as well when we come back. This is White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. And you're ready for White Sox and Diamondbacks. Sox looking to get back in the win column, get back above 500. After dropping down to 63 and 63 yesterday, frustrating loss against Arizona. Diamondbacks just jumped on Johnny Cueto early on and never were able to recover after that. Let's get you the lineups for today. First, uh, same leadoff hitter from yesterday, Romy Gonzalez, will handle those duties for the Sox. He is in the one spot today. He'll be followed by Andrew Vaughn's in left. Jose Abreu's on his feet at first. Eloy Jimenez is going to do the DHing today. Gavin Sheets out in right field. AJ Pollock's in center. Leori Garcia was elevated from the disabled or the injured list, rather. Um, he'll play third base today. Elvis Andrews at shortstop. And Carlos Perez is going to make his MLB, his first career MLB start. Uh, you saw him get, get a little bit of action yesterday, but he's going to get his first start. Uh, after being called up from AAA Charlotte. On the other side for the Diamondbacks, Josh Rojas will lead things off at second. Emmanuel Rivera at third. Ketel Marte doing the designated hitting. I talked a little bit about Christian Walker and his 30 home runs. He will be the cleanup hitter today and play first. Dalton Varsho's out in right. Jake McCarthy's in left. Carson Kelly doing the catching. Alec Thomas, we talked a little bit with Connor, some of the phenomenal plays he made uh, yesterday. He is in center field, and Geraldo Perdomo is going to do the shortstop duties today and close things out for Tori Lovolo's Arizona Diamondback lineup. Davis Martin has been recalled from AAA Charlotte. He will make the start today. Two and three with a 425 earned run average. He's been up and down with the White Sox seven different times this year. Has 26 strikeouts in 36 innings. On the other side, Merrill Kelly's been a really, really good pitcher for the Diamondbacks. 10 and 5, a 287 ERA, 128 punch outs on the year. And Kelly's one of those guys, a little surprising. He's still with Arizona, a team that maybe could have sold at the deadline. And Kelly. Certainly would have been one of those coveted pieces as well, but he is still a Diamondback for the time being. The MLB released their schedule for 2023. I know, already looking ahead to 2023 here, but the the only reason I'm talking about this is because of one of the changes that were made with the MLB schedule, and that is that for the first time, all 30 teams will play each other in a 162-game season. And this has been one of the things that I've been banging the drum for for a while because I think it's fairly stupid that you play 162 games, by far and away the longest schedule of any of the major professional sports, and you don't play everybody. I get that there's the divisional aspect and the rivalries and people like that, but if you're talking about a growing of the game perspective... It's important in my eyes that every single baseball player gets to play in every single park every other year. And I think from a maybe in Chicago and New York and L.A. and in the Bay Area, we don't think about it as much because there's two teams in town 
So every player is going to come to your town at a certain point in the year. But for teams like Cincinnati, Detroit, Cleveland, Minnesota, Miami, I mean, pretty much every other team, you don't have a chance to see your favorite baseball player. He comes to your ballpark once every six years if he's not traded or signs with someone else. And to me, that's just such a missed opportunity for baseball, and it's been something that's been missing the mark over the last couple of years. How are you supposed to grow the game and get people interested in baseball, a a sport that has been very regionalized? How are you supposed to get people intrigued about some of these players, market some of your players, if Mookie Betts is only coming to your stadium once every six years, if it's an interleague game? How are you supposed to get people intrigued on the NL side if Mike Trout's only coming to your stadium once every six years? Now that these guys are coming to your ballparks every other year, I think it's an important change that baseball's making. And if you agree, disagree, 312-332-3776, I'd love to hear from you, especially if you are on the other side of this and think that you should still be playing your divisional opponents 19 times. We talked about it with Connor earlier today, and he was with me. He thinks that this should be something that should happen every single year. You know, it'd be one thing if this were an 82-game schedule and you weren't playing everyone every single game or every single season. I get that, all right? You, you got to be able to, to stretch out your series and, and be able to play that way. But when you play 162 games, the fact that you can't set aside 60 to, to 90 of those games for non-divisional teams, I, it, to me, was always... It, it was always, it bothered me. I, I really thought that you should be able to to get to see every single player every single year. And if you're not going to be able to see them in, in your ballpark every single year, well, at least you, you can watch them on TV every single game or, or listen to them on the radio every single, every single season, I should say. Not every single game, every single season. Because part of the reason why I think the NBA has had so much success in marketing their players. I think no league does the marketing of the individual player better than the NBA. And it's because it's one of the few sports where everyone is coming to your arena every single season. If you're, if if, let's say you're a Bulls fan, all right? I'm sure a lot of people listening to this show are Bulls fans. If you're a Bulls fan, you know LeBron James is coming to your arena every single year, even though he plays for the Lakers the Western Conference is still going to come to your city. Every single, all 15 of those teams are going to come to your city once every single season. And I think it's important. And I think it's a big reason why the NBA has had the success in marketing its stars the way that it has. And that's something that I'm looking forward to. And maybe it's something that, like I said, Chicago, you haven't had to think about it as much because the Cubs are in town. If you really wanted to see a player, you could always go to Wrigley and vice versa. Let's say there's a player in the American League that a Cubs fan really wants to see. You could always go to Guaranteed Rate Field and see that player in the American League because you know they're coming. Same thing in L.A. with the Dodgers and the Angels. Same thing in New York with the Yankees and Mets. Same thing in the Bay with the A's and the, the Giants. Maybe those fan bases don't think about it as much. But for the Seattles, for the Colorados, I think this is a really good thing that's going to help those teams out and help market those stars a lot better because it's a place that 
Major League Baseball has been lacking in for the most part. So 312-332-3776 if you've got a thought on that. I'm really happy, and I'm excited to see that you're going to be able to see all of these players. The schedule is going to really, I think, liven itself up is the best way to put it because it can be a drag seeing the Royals 19 times in a season. It can be a drag seeing the Guardians 19 times, the Twins 19 times, the Tigers 19 times. It gets monotonous, it gets repetitive, and and quite frankly, I think it can get a little boring at times when, oh, it's August and we're seeing the Tigers for the 15th time this season. I would rather go see the Mets. I would rather go see the Phillies or the Rockies or the Dodgers. Something new, something different, something fresh. I think it's a good thing for baseball. And it's something that's been long overdue, and I'm happy we're finally getting to that point now that you're going to be able to see any single player every other year in your ballpark. And you're going to get to see them play your team every single season. It's a good thing for baseball. And the White Sox certainly will. We're going to get to see some some more intriguing players come. And a different set of players come to Guaranteed Rate Field. And especially, you think about it this way too. The the MLB lifespan. And, just the, and this isn't just... MLB, this is every sport, but I think it's important for these players to also be able to play in all 30 stadiums as well. And you you don't you aren't given that capacity if you're playing in a stadium every six seasons. Careers get cut short. People go up and down from the minor leagues. I think that's an important part of being a ball player. And I think that's an important part of, of being any sort of uh, of professional athlete is being able to go out and see all these different cities every single year or every other year. And that's one of the things that I'm looking forward to it with the 2023 baseball season. I, I am really, really intrigued by it. So we, I, I do want to hit on some of those fun series that are going to be coming to guaranteed rate field. We'll do that when we come back. Also, our Twitter poll is up as well. You can check it out at ESPN white Sox, And it's talking about some of the best surprises from this White Sox team here in 2022. So we'll hit on that when we come back as well. Hey, Sox fans, join us at Guaranteed Rate Field on September 3rd when the White Sox take on the Minnesota Twins at 610. Get here early because the first 10,000 fans will receive an official Irish Sox jersey presented by Miller Lite. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash promos. White Sox Weekly, we'll be right back. Hey, White Sox fans, the 2023 schedule is out. Start planning your 2023 season with a ticket package. We offer a variety of plans, and when you lock in today, you'll get postseason access for this year. Flexible payment plans, savings on single games, great seat locations, and more. For more information, visit WhiteSox.com slash season tickets. We've been talking a little bit about that 2023 schedule here on White Sox Weekly. If you like it, don't like it, let us know. 312-332-332. 3776. Tyler Rocky in for Connor McKnight today. Connor has the call alongside Darren Jackson coming up at 6 o'clock as the White Sox and Diamondbacks game two of a three game set coming your way from Guaranteed Rate Field. We had one person check in on Twitter. Will, one of our great listeners, Will Chase, he says, playing everyone is fine, but it'll be an adjustment playing fewer games in division and might make rainouts and doubleheaders tricky. Now, I get that part. The the rainouts and the and the doubleheader makeups that you'll have to put into place here 
Yes, that can be a little problematic, but at the end of the day, I think it's still an important thing to be able to play every single team. I, I don't think the the divisional aspect, the rivalry aspect, because at the end of the day, you're still going to be playing these teams a number of times. Um, but I, I still think it's important that you, you play some of these teams that you're not used to playing every single year. And, and I think it's good for growing the game as well. So I'm looking forward to that. So some of the, the highlights here, um, interleague-wise, that you, you're going to get to see as a White Sox fan, you're going to wrap up the season hosting the San Diego Padres, who are one of the most um, the most fun teams to watch in baseball. And, of course, by then, Fernando Tatis will be back as well. Of course, he he's uh, serving a suspension right now, 80-game suspension for PEDs. That came down a little bit earlier in the week. But here are the teams from the NL that are coming to guaranteed rate field this season. Early on, San Francisco, you've got them to as your home opener, and you will get that for the weekend. And then Philadelphia will come later in April. Miami's going to come in June. St. Louis in July. You, of course, get your series with the Cubs like you do every single season. Milwaukee is coming in August. Arizona is back here again like they are this year in September. And then San Diego, like I mentioned, to wrap things up. On the road, if you want to plan out any road trips here, these are always fun. How about this one to, to Pittsburgh? Maybe it's a little early in the season for the to really want to go out to Pittsburgh, but that's a cool stadium to go to. I've been there before. Cincinnati is in May, so hopefully the weather may be cooperating a little bit there. Haven't been to the Great American Ballpark, but I've heard great things. The Dodgers, if you want to get out to L.A., that's taking place in June. Atlanta in July, the middle of July. If you want to make a trip out to New York, the Mets, the 18th to 20th, that is a really underrated stadium as well. The City Field, I'm a big fan of that one. And, of course, you're going to play the Cubs, um, and then Colorado, you got them for three out in August. That's always a fun trip out to Denver at this time of year. And then the Nationals, if you want to make it out to our nation's capital, that is in the middle of September, the 18th to 20th. So some good dates there and good trips or, or good home series, too, with this new and improved schedule for 2023. So on our Twitter account, we asked, what has been the most pleasant surprise of the White Sox season here in 2022? Our options, and if you want to vote, at ESPN White Sox, check it out. We'll get you those results later on in the game during our broadcast with uh, Connor McKnight and Darren Jackson. Is it Dylan Cease's dominance? Jimmy Lambert's transition to the bullpen. He's been fantastic in that role. Sebi Zavala. And the slash line that he's put together of 287, 354, 406. You know, Sebi flashed at times last year. He had that three home run game against Cleveland, if you remember. But we haven't seen him with the level of consistency that he's shown this year. He's been a much better hitter. And a big reason why the White Sox were content moving on from Reese McGuire was because of the way Sebi was hitting. And the guys just like throwing to him right now. And right now he's, for a stretch there, he was the only catcher on the roster that was healthy. And we do have some Yasmani Grandal news that I want to get to as well. Um, And then the last option here is simply Johnny Cueto. And the early returns are currently favoring Johnny Cueto. If you want to change that, though, you can go to our Twitter account at ESPN White Sox. It is our Drive Toyota Twitter poll for today. Listen. I think I've been pretty clear on who my guy is that I've been riding with for this season. Johnny Cueto has been, in my opinion, the most important player 
to the White Sox here in 2022. Without Johnny Cueto, I think this team is six games under 500, given what they've done so far this season. At least six games under 500, I should say, because the life raft and the the way that he has sort of lit a spark on this team. I know people have been asking all, all season long, like, who's going to be the guy that provides that spark off the field that really lights a fire under guys? And Johnny Cueto did it when he called out the team a little bit for being a little lackadaisical and not having the fire. And you heard Andrew Vaughn come out and say, listen, Cueto's message was loud and clear in our locker room. And it certainly got them going. I believe that was in the Detroit series. And what Johnny Cueto has meant to this team, I said it earlier, if this team were in the playoffs right now and the playoffs were to start tomorrow, Johnny Cueto is your number two behind Dylan Cease. And if you told me Johnny Cueto was going to be your number two option in a playoff series and you would feel good about it, you told me that at the beginning of the season, I wouldn't have believed you. But that's what he is. That is what he's meant. He's been that bulldog in this rotation. When it's all said and done, Johnny Cueto is likely going to finish with the second most innings out of any White Sox starter. And that is with missing a month of the season because he was in AAA Charlotte. He's been a dog for this team. And the starts that you get out of him where he can go the, go deep into games. We're talking eighth inning. We've seen him get into the ninth inning at times this year. That's a lost art in baseball. And for him to be able to go out there and give you seven or, or six and change in games perpetually for this White Sox rotation and this White Sox pitching staff, that has been an absolute gift that has fallen into the lap of the White Sox this year. And that's why it's my most pleasant surprise. If you agree, disagree, check out our Twitter poll. It's at ESPN White Sox if you want to get a vote in. And you'll hear those results later on in the ballgame today. Before we hit the break and talk to Gavin Sheets, which I'm really looking forward to, let's pause 10 seconds for stations to identify themselves. This is the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. When we come back, White Sox outfielder, designated hitter, you see him all over the diamond, sometimes at first base. Gavin Sheets is going to join us here on White Sox Weekly. Looking forward to that chat. When we come back, it's the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. It's White Sox Weekly on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. White Sox and Diamondbacks coming up at 6 o'clock. You'll hear Connor McKnight alongside Darren Jackson, Tyler Aki in for Connor McKnight here on White Sox Weekly. Let's go on out to Guaranteed Rate Field now where we check in with White Sox outfielder and designated hitter Gavin Sheets joining us right now before he gets ready to go and do battle against the Diamondbacks later on tonight. Gavin, thanks so much for joining us today. Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me on. So you've been tearing the absolute cover off the baseball as of late. What's been the secret to Gavin Sheets' success ever since getting called back up to the big leagues? Uh, I just think it's just a different mindset. Um, you know, early in the season I was struggling. Um, you know, the confidence was down a little bit. I was losing my aggressiveness at the plate. And, uh, you know, I kind of found it when I went down to Charlotte for those six days. Um, you know, had a little bit of success, but, you know, just kind of found the, the swing that I've been looking for. Um, you know, I don't know if it was the – you know, the less stress or the whatever was going on there, but um, just kind of found it and came back and, and kept the rhythm and, um, you know, just been a lot more aggressive at the plate lately. You had fewer than 40 at-bats when you were down in Charlotte for that short stint before getting called back up. What, what were you working on while you were down in the minors? 
just trying to just trying to find the swing that that clicked. Um, you know, just trying to find the swing that gave me confidence, the one that I had. You know, mostly all of last year, and uh, you know, it was a simple simple adjustment and just you know standing a little bit taller um it, mechanically wise but you know the confidence uh, that the mental side brought was you know that that made the biggest difference and uh you know i came back up and um you know had some success right when i got back and and just kind of kept it rolling and this this trip to, to baltimore certainly didn't hurt anything yeah i do want to hit on that baltimore trip because it seems like that is that is your home away from home but yeah. um looking at the some of the results that you're getting now at the big league level, what do you feel like you're doing differently? Are you going the other way with the ball a little bit more? Are you doing something different there at the plate? Yeah, you know, lately it's been, you know, driving the ball the other way, with, with especially with two strikes. Um, you know, not striking out, putting the ball in play, and, and using the whole field. And I think that's a big key. But, you know, it's also of just, you know, being more aggressive at the plate and, and taking my A swing, you know, the whole at bat. You know, not taking that first pitch as much. Um, you know, not being a, taking passive swings, but you know, trying to do some damage and, and really just kind of letting it loose a little bit. And, uh, you know, it's not as many, unfortunately, not as many home runs at this point, but, you know, I've been driving the ball on, on a line drive kind of all parts of the field right now. Gavin Sheets with us here on White Sox Weekly. So let's get into that Baltimore series because you've had a ton of success at Camden Yards. I know it's your own backyard, but what is, what's different when you get to Baltimore? <laughs> Well, it's home. You know, it's 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 my all-season home. It's where I grew up. Um, you know, I said it in Baltimore. It's kind of where where my love for for baseball began. You know, going there with my dad as a young young kid, and um, you know, being on that field from you know three years old, five years old to ten, and um, you know, it's just a, it's a comfortable spot. And seeing you know a bunch of family, a bunch of friends. Um, you know, it's it's a special place for me. And um, you know, I didn't I didn't get to embrace it last year as much because it was only my my second or third week in the big leagues, but. You know, going back this year and, and really embracing it, really enjoying it, and, and seeing family and seeing friends, it was, uh, it was a special trip. What's your favorite memory in that ballpark from when you were a fan growing up? Oh, man. Um, probably just going there with my dad. Um, he used to do, you know, a bunch of signings or, or uh, he would throw BP on the field and, and, and just going around there and shagging. Like I was telling some guys, I remember, remember the first time I hit a ball out of the infield on that field, and that was like <laughs> that was like the biggest deal ever for me was I finally got it out of the infield. Um, so to go back there and just, just remember times like that and just kind of, you know, following, following my dad around and, and just seeing the way the, the fans and the people of Baltimore, you know, embraced him and, um, you know, just kind of remembering that's, that's what I wanted to do when I got older. And, uh, you know, to go back there was, was special. Do you remember the first time you hit one over the wall? Whew. That that was in high school there. Um, you know that that took some time for me for me unfortunately, but uh, that was in high school there. Um, but yeah, that was another one. Just just taking BP there and, and remembering that. But uh, the one that really stands out was you know the first time I got one out of the infield there and you know swinging a bat that was way too big for me at the time. Gavin Sheets with us on White Sox Weekly. So your father Larry Sheets, you've talked about him a little bit so far. Of course, he he was an Oriole um, when you were you weren't even a kid yet. I don't I don't believe right. He so like how were you sort of introduced to my dad was a big leaguer? Just you know going to yeah because as he said I wasn't born um, when he was playing but you know just it, it, it didn't really set in when I was younger. Um, I knew he played obviously I knew like he was an Oriole but um, you know going to the field and going to stuff like you know Orioles Fest and and Fan Fest and stuff like that and just kind of seeing the way people, um, you know, embraced him and, and, you know, wanted his autograph and, 
And, you know, while I didn't get to see him play, you know, just seeing stuff like that was pretty cool to me. And, um, you know, that's kind of when it set in was was going to Camden Yards and going to that stuff where, um, you know, I could actually see the way, you know, fans, you know, embraced him. Gavin Sheets with us on White Sox Weekly. So one of the things that I find really fascinating when I'm watching these games is you can see your dad in the shot when they're just doing the, your standard shot of the pitcher throwing uh, making the pitch to home plate. He's right, right. there. I mean, yeah. he's sitting as close as like my dad used to sit for some of my Little League games. <laughs> Usually you see the parents like a couple rows up. Is it just he's an Oriole, former Oriole, that's how he gets those seats, or is someone else pulling strings there to make sure he's sitting that close? Those were uh, uh, those are actually Cal Ripken seats, and, and him and Cal are still really close. And, um, you know, Cal set them aside for him, knowing that, that we were coming to town. And, um, yeah, he was he was definitely well taken care of with, with those seats. I told him he was on his own. I said, You're, I'm not getting you any family tickets. You, you, you can get tickets on your own here. So uh, <laughs> he, had, he had better tickets all lined up for himself. Is it weird that dad is sitting that close for a big league game? Um, you know, it's, it's different, but, you know, I, I just think it's one of those things that, you know, he's embracing it. He's, you know, obviously Cal set aside the tickets for him, and which was awesome of him to do. And, um, you know, I, I think that in college he, he never did that. He was always up top. He was always in the back out of the way. But, um, you know, I think he was just enjoying it just like I was. And, uh, you know, it's obviously a special occasion, so – um, no, I was I was all for it in that situation. Did you have any sort of relationship with Cal Ripken when you were growing up? I did. I had a lot. Um, you know, my dad and him were drafted the same year with the Orioles, and um, you know they were roommates all the way up, and, and still really really close friends to this day. And um, you know, Cal's son Ryan is actually going to be one of my groomsmen at my wedding. So you know, we're extremely close. We're, we're really close families, and um you know cal's been he's been a huge influence on on my baseball career and um you know i've actually had conversations with him this year as i was going through you know kind of the april and may struggles and um no he's been he's been an awesome mentor and and a a friend to me what's the best piece of advice he's given you you know just stay true to yourself um you know don't you you know obviously when you're when you're going through the big leagues there's a reason you got to the big leagues you know there's there's a a swing that you have success that you've had all the way up that got you here and you know just because you're in the big leagues and and struggling at the time doesn't mean you need to to change everything that you do um you know it's kind of a a, you got to have that self-belief and and the confidence to to keep you here and and know there's a reason why you're here does obviously he's known for his Iron Man streak. Does he ever bust your chops whenever you you miss a game or something like that? <laughs> no, no. But my my dad will. He'll say, uh, "Yeah, you might not be playing. They just think what just think what Cal did." Um, so I've I've heard that a couple times. But uh, no, what he did was was incredible and um, something that will will never be done again. I don't even think will will come close. I know Whit Merrifield had his streak broken this year um, at like five hundred and some games and. Um, it just shows what, what Cal did, how, how hard it was. Yeah, I mean, just even playing in that many games in a big league career is a feat in and of itself. Gavin Sheets with us on White Sox Weekly here on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. So you're one of the younger players on this team. Who's been the guy that's sort of taken you under their wing to help you adjust and, and stay acclimated at the big league level? Uh, I would definitely say, you know, Abreu. Abreu has definitely taken Vaughn and I under our wings, and um, you know, you, you kind of—he's not the—he's not very vocal, but you just watch what he does. You watch—he leads by example. Um, you know, the first one in, last one out every day. Plays through injuries. Plays through, 
you know, everything, you know, and uh, you, you see what it takes to, to be an MVP, to have the success that he's had. And, um, you know, and then just kind of a lifestyle guy has, has been Lance Lynn. Lance Lynn's really taken me under his wing and been an unbelievable mentor and, and leader for this team. And, uh, you know, he, he kind of shows you the, the ins and outs of the big leagues and how to handle yourself and how to go about your business. And um, so I'd say those two guys have been, been unbelievable for, for me and my development. Now, one of the interesting things this season is the pitch clock in the minor leagues, but not the major leagues. And as someone who's played in both this year, what do you like about the pitch clock? What don't you like about the pitch clock? So what I like about it, I mean, it definitely speeds the game. There's no doubt. Um, You know, I, I think that there needs to be a little bit of an adjustment in terms of, you know, the difference between a, a good pace of play and, and a rushed pace of play. Um, but it definitely speeds the games up. I mean, I think games were all two and a half hours when I was there. And, and I do think it takes out some of the, you know, some of the stuff that, that doesn't need to happen in between pitches, um, you know, whether it's a pitcher or a hitter taking too much time. Um, but I do think that there's, you know, a certain aspect of baseball that, that you can't put on the clock. And that's the beautiful thing about baseball. Um, you know, I think all the fans know that when they come to a game that, you know, this game has no time uh, limit. And uh, so I think that there needs to be a little bit of adjustment um, so it, so the game doesn't feel rushed because, you know, that's what makes baseball great is, is there's no clock and um, whoever wins after the, the end of the game is the winner. You know, there's, you can't run out the clock. Um, but I do think that it, it does cut down some of the, the delays in between pitches. So overall, thumbs up? Uh, with a couple changes, yeah, overall, thumbs up. What would those changes be? I think it needs to be a little bit longer in between. Um, you know, there's given given hitters five seconds or six seconds. I think is is um, after a foul ball or something. I think that needs to be lengthened out just a little bit. Um, but you know, overall, I, I think that it's it's pretty good. Gavin Sheets, our guest here on White Sox Weekly. So one of the big differences between this year's team and last year's team has been the power numbers way down from what they were a season ago what do you think has been the biggest difference power wise with this unit Uh, that's an interesting question uh i'm not really sure um you know i feel like we've hit some balls here this year that i thought were homers um i don't know if the ball is not carrying as well but you know, I think that also we've we've just hit a lot more line drives this year. Um, you know, we've had a lot of, a lot of singles. Um, you know, a lot of ball like last night. A lot of balls last night caught in the gap on the line. Um, you know, but that's really tough to say to point a finger on why it, it we haven't hit as many homers. Um, I wish I had a better answer for you. I wish, you know, I, I'd like to be hitting more homers. Um, you know, but it, if, if we're hitting balls on the line more and and not in the air. Um, you know, I can't give you a definite answer for, for why we, we haven't hit as many as last year. Gavin Sheets with us for a few more minutes here on White Sox Weekly. So I heard some stories from back when you guys were in Texas and Jimmy Lambert joined us on the show. He says that you are the best ping pong player on the team. <laughs> Where do the ping pong roots come from? <laughs> uh, a lot of days at my house playing ping pong with my cousin. Uh, we used to play... Oh man, we used to play best of 21. Uh, we would play all night long. And uh, yeah, when we got to Texas, I saw that ping pong table and my eyes lit up a little bit. Got to, we got to play a bunch of games. And um, yeah, Jimmy Jimmy kept running back to the table against me. I loved it. So uh, I got to take him down over and over and uh, keep it going. <laughs> so is Jimmy the second best player or does someone else have that title? 
I would say Jimmy was the second best player. Um, yeah, not too many other guys stepped up. I saw a couple of other guys playing, but I think Jimmy was was probably the second best. So, what's your strategy? I go side to side. Never. I, I always move him. I try to get him running back and forth. Uh, I mainly because I think it's fun to <laughs> to watch him run back and forth, but uh, don't let him get too comfortable. So last night the White Sox had their Elvis night, honoring, of course, one of music's greats. What are you listening to before a game? I'm a country guy. Um, I listen to a lot of country. Kind of relaxes me a little bit. Um, you know, I don't think you know some guys listen to hip hop, some guys listen to rap, but uh, I just think that the country gets me in the right frame of mind for baseball. I, I think it matches the the game perfectly. And lastly, before I let you go here, you're a Wake Forest Demon Deacon, and with college football starting today, do you have a prediction for your Demon Deacons here in 2022? I was really excited for their team, um, and then I saw that their quarterback went down with an injury, so I don't know how, I think he's you know looking at a midseason return, which, which really hurts us. Um, so I, I don't know what to expect from them. I'm hoping another great year, hoping another, I mean, they're in the AC Championship game last year. Um, you know, I don't know if they can do that with with this quarterback this year, but you know, I'll be I'll be locked in and and hopefully another bowl game for him. Gavin, thanks so much for joining us here on White Sox Weekly, and keep on hitting. Thank you guys, appreciate it. It's Gavin Sheets. You know, he's looked like a completely different player since coming back up from Charlotte, just tearing the absolute cover off of the ball. Fourteen of his twenty nine career multi hit games have come in this thirty seven start stretch that he has had ever since being recalled from AAA Charlotte. So good things happening for Gavin Sheets, and hopefully some of that can continue later on tonight when the White Sox take on the Diamondbacks. First pitch coming up at 6 o'clock, pregame show at 5.30. Keep it right here, White Sox Weekly. We'll be right back on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network. Closing things out here on White Sox Weekly. White Sox and Diamondbacks coming up at 6 o'clock. We got your pregame show here, the FanDuel White Sox pregame show coming at you at 5.30. Hey, spend your summer at the ballpark with Miller Lite, Bleachers, and Brews. Get one ticket and two beers starting at $27. You must be 21 and over with a valid ID. To purchase tickets, visit whitesox.com slash brew. Also, be sure to join us on Saturday, September 3rd for Socks Crawl, presented by Miller Lite. Don't miss an exclusive entry to a pregame crawl beginning at 2.30 p.m. before the White Sox take on the Twins at 6.10. Enjoy food and drink specials. Receive an official Irish Sox jersey. Play games, win prizes, and more. Get your tickets today at whitesox.com slash crawl. A couple of news and notes from around baseball before we get you ready for today's game. This is one of the most intriguing contracts that I think I've seen signed, and it features Julio Rodriguez, the Mariners' young phenom, 21 years old for J-Rod, and he agreed to an extension. I'm not going to put the years on the extension because, quite frankly, we don't really know what the years on the extension are going to end up being. But here's what is laid out, and this is based on a variety of player and team options. It's laid out very well on MLB.com here. Uh, by Daniel Kramer. So it can be as short as seven years or as long as 17 years beyond the 2022 season. There's also the chance it can be 12 or 15. Either way, going to be a lot of J-Rod in Seattle over the next decade or so, you'd imagine. So the base of the, the deal 
is seven years and $105 million. That begins next year, plus a $15 million signing bonus in there as well. So that'll take him to 2029. But after 2028, the Mariners must determine whether or not to pick up a club option. And the salary and the numbers on all that is dependent on Rodriguez's performance in AL MVP award voting. Now, everything that's structured here is basically uh, contingent on where Julio Rodriguez finishes in MLP and MVP voting in the AL over the next handful of years. So that's going to be the big incentive in terms of the dollars and cents. The first club option is for eight or 10 years and ranges from 200 million to 350 million, all based on MVP balloting, whether he wins and where he finishes in the preceding seasons. If Seattle exercises its club option, the guaranteed value reaches 320 million and could push as high as 470 million, which would make it the largest contract by total value in baseball history, which would surpass Mike Trout, who signed a 12 year, $426.5 million deal with the Angels in 2019. If the Mariners don't pick up the option after Rodriguez's seventh season, He can exercise a player option following his eighth season in 2029 for five years and 90 million, which puts it in structure with the 13 year contract and $210 million floor. It's also possible that Rodriguez could turn down the player option and reach free agency before turning 30. He can increase the player option to $125.5 million or up about $35.5 million by the way of incentives based on all-star game appearances, silver slugger, and all that. So to break it all down for you here, $200 million over eight years if Rodriguez receives no MVP votes in his first eight seasons. $240 million if he finishes in the top 10 two or three times. $260 if he's in the top 10 four times. $280 if he wins an MVP award and places in the top five one other time or places in the top five three times without winning. And he'll get $350 million if he wins two MVP awards or places in the top five four times without winning. If that was confusing for you, and I understand if it was, go check out the article on MLB.com. Daniel Kramer did a great job of laying everything out. The other thing, too, uh, I want to bring to your attention was Albert Pujols continuing to creep up on 700. You know, this has been one of the great stories. It's really popped up over the last week or so. So Albert's sitting right now at 693 home runs. It didn't seem like he was going to get to 700 this year, but he has certainly started to change his tune with that based on his performance in August where he has come out and hit seven of his 14 home runs. So Albert Pujols continues to creep up on history, trying to get into the 700 homer club. And he's put together a a real renaissance of a season here. You look at his numbers. He's a 1.1 war player. And for a guy who a lot of people thought this may have just been like a a contract, just like an end of the year, end of career contract for Pujols. It's certainly proving to not be that. He is providing some value to that Cardinals lineup. Hey, head to the ballpark on September 4th as the White Sox take on the Twins at 110. The first 20,000 fans will receive a Los White Sox soccer jersey presented by Coca-Cola. There's magic when we cheer together. To purchase tickets, visit WhiteSox.com slash promos. It's going to do it for us here on White Sox Weekly. Big thank you to Kendra Smith and Jake Cantu as well as our executive producer, Eric Ostrowski. White Sox FanDuel pregame show is coming up next on the Hard Rock Casino White Sox Network.